Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A Florida man was arrested last week after he allegedly called the police and asked them to test the crystal meth he purchased to ensure it was authentic. Said the man, so is that a yes? I get one phone call, I got great news, Scooch. That's weird. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that reminds me. I was clicking around. Here it is. Um, there's a trend in at least San Francisco, bars, clubs, restaurants. They have a supply of fentanyl test strips. Anywhere where people are going to be partying, especially bars and clubs, they have these test strips because they know that people are doing one or more drugs. And it's become super popular to be able to test your drug to see if they're um, laced with fentanyl. Or not, because you don't want to, I don't know, overdose and die when you're out having, having a good time. Really? Are, are these fentanyl testing kits accurate? Are they the oh, sort yeah. of thing that anybody can afford to buy? I would suggest if you're going to do random recreational drugs, you buy from a guy in a hoodie on the corner. Maybe you get one of these fentanyl testing kits for your own stuff. Well, that's the thing. Um, this uh, this woman who they profile in the Chironicle is the co-founder of the nonprofit Fent Check, which orders fentanyl test strips from a Canada-based manufacturer and brings them into bars, restaurants, and other venues in the Bay Area after adding easy-to-read printed instructions to each strip, packaging them in a plastic fish bowl, and then just dropping them off at these clubs and restaurants. And they have to restock them every week. They're so popular. Interesting. Yeah, well, lots and lots of people are dying. About 7 in 10 overdose deaths in the past couple of years in San Francisco have involved fentanyl. You know, I'm not of that lifestyle at all anymore on so many different levels, but there's always the option of not doing products that may kill you. I mean, you can get really drunk or smoke pot. or There's a number of things you can do that don't come with the risk of dying. You don't, you don't really need to test it at all. Right. It's not going to kill you. You know, speaking of which, if you know, I don't care if you're hot to try to do something, I'll give way. But uh, the other thing I came across that was super interesting was the underground internet meth scene, where people get together online. Uh, the one guy says Zoom was made for meth. There is no meth without Zoom, and there is no Zoom without meth. They get together, do days long. Uh, uh, meth binges with porn playing and watching each other inject. Oh my god! And watching each other fornicate and stuff like that. And evidently, this is like incredibly popular. So, what was that saying you had there at the beginning? There's no meth without. Well, that's uh, this one junkie said. There's no meth without Zoom, and there's no Zoom without meth. Really? That is where I found a forum like a tribe where I could be my authentic self. With no fear of judgment. No fear of judgment. Well, and his authentic self was he went home for the holidays, and instead of spending time with loved ones, he stayed in his room and injected meth for three days while he pretended to be sick. That's his authentic self. I read this article, and it made me feel dirty and sick and depressed. Whose home was he in? Uh, I think his parents. There you go. He's been addicted to meth for about eight years. He's part of a sprawling online community of meth users, hidden in plain sight on nearly every major social media platform and digital communications tool, from Facebook to Zoom to Reddit to Twitter. 
I hate to be old guy conservative, but man, if more people had to support themselves, I feel like there'd be less of this. Because you're probably not going to go down a path where you starve to death. If there's worry that, but if there's no worry whatsoever, you've got some place to stay, you've got food, you got all the basic necessities. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of bad ideas and they can get a, a way out of hand. Yeah, the person who makes one, two, four, five bad decisions, plenty of folks like that, the people who keep doing it to the point that they starve to death, that's fairly rare. Stop removing the consequences for bad decisions, or you will get more bad decisions, society. Well, is anybody, Stupid should hurt. Does anybody know anything about these meth Zoom party things? That's interesting. I have long, disgusting uh, descriptions, if you'd like. Go ahead. So, so you and your meth friends set up a Zoom meeting, and it's so you don't have to leave your home, which has all kinds of inconveniences. Sure. Whether well, getting arrested or how you going to get there when you're messed up on meth. And mm. so you just get together on the Zoom, and now Joe's going to describe what happens. Sure. The growth of these communities has coincided with a meth boom in the U.S. and other parts of the world. According to the U.S. National Institutes of Health, frequent meth use increased by 66% between 2015 and 2019. Wow. Shocking. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The so-called homeless crisis, the boom, the boom in, in, in bums and junkies on the street, your local park, your local uh, river, uh, you know, parkway, your local downtown. Hmm. Did they go to hell between 2015 and 2019 and gotten even worse over the last couple of years? Oh, that's just a coincidence, folks. Guys crossing the street downtown yesterday and there was a tweaker got in a fight with a car uh, waiting, <laughs> waiting for the green light. Got into something. Car looked at looked at the dude sideways. Apparently, he's kicking the tires and screaming and yelling. And I thought, why? How do we have this many people wandering around, drug zombies in the streets? Yep, yep. So during that same period where uh, frequent meth use increased by sixty six percent, non cocaine stimulant overdoses nearly tripled, in part due to meth use. Oh, meth-focused online behavior is openly thriving. So here's that description you wanted. Um, Meth, unlike opiates and other types of drugs, can keep users awake for days at a time and often leaves them craving a level of social and sexual connectivity not found with many other drugs. Wow, so other drugs make you just want to be by yourself. Or watch TV or listen to music or whatever. Yeah, but this is the opposite. Yeah, let's see. So uh, Facebook uh, has groups where people sell meth, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram, profile devoted to meth content. On Reddit, similar communities exist among heroin and cocaine users, but searches for Zoom communities devoted to other drugs didn't return any uh, results. So meth is huge on Zoom, evidently. And uh, okay, here you go. 1 p.m. on a Wednesday in February, a DJ in front of a a pink flashing lights played a trance song that included audio snippets from Netflix Squid Game for a crowd of 90 people. The 90 people. The performance wasn't at a warehouse rave. It was in a Zoom room organized around meth use. While hardcore pornography streamed, members of the audience with lightly coded usernames referencing meth, clouds, and slamming showed themselves injecting or slamming and smoking that's clouds, meth, having sex, masturbating, passed out, and eating lunch. For meth users on Zoom, it was just another day. For instance. 
So do you not come out of that? Maybe you never sober up when you're one of these people. I don't know. But I would think you'd come out of that at some point. Think this is uh, this is not what I want to do with my life. At some point, I would think. You would think that, although your mind is being decayed as you do this by the meth, as we've talked right. about, the, the new meth, which is actually kind of old meth, which causes psychosis and terrible damage to your brain much more quickly than the stuff of, you know, eight, ten years ago. Craziness. God, this is, I find this so sickening and depressing. One good thing about seeing all the homelessness around me, if there's any upside to it, is my kids have really associated in their heads, at least for now, that lifestyle and behavior with drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, they see that as where drugs take you. Yeah. That's where it's taken a lot of people. Well, and if there's one takeaway, this is not 100% true, but virtually is nothing is 100% true. But it's so true, go with it. The homeless crisis is a meth crisis. The homeless crisis is a drug crisis. It's not a rent crisis. It's not a, a, a capitalism crisis. It's not a systemic racism crisis. It is a meth crisis. And if you don't deal primarily and firstly with the meth, you're never, ever going to come within a million miles of solving the problem. It's not like we're super genius sociologists, but we've known this for a couple of years now. How long does it take before everybody knows it and the government is reacting to it in a real way? And yeah, and I don't you know, I don't really get the psychology or even the politics behind continuing to insist that it's about how expensive oh, I, it is to live in X, I, Y, and Z. I think I do, and just in that it's is it their fault or not? Ah. There's a big crowd of the country that never wants it to be the fault of the person on the street. If it's about the economy and housing and uh, gentrification of neighborhoods or systemic racism, it's not their fault. If it's drugs, it's their fault. They made that choice. Right, right. And the fact that the most generous cities for the quote-unquote homeless end up with the most of them and their tweakers. Coincidence. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure it is. No, those are native San Franciscans. Never mind if you ask them all where they're from. None will say San Francisco, for instance. Uh, but I, I, it's, it's self-delusion. And like you say, the, the desire to be noble and not quote-unquote blame the victim is so strong, it blinds people to the actual reality. Liberals listening right now. I'm telling you this in good conscience. I mean this 100% sincerely. This is not like tough guy conservative talk radio stuff. I'm telling you. from This is, we haven't used this in years, Michael. This is straight from Joe's ticker. Straight from Joe's ticker. <laughs> straight from a ticker. If you actually care about the people living on the streets, take a few days and look into the meth connection. At the end of those few days, you will agree wholeheartedly with us, and you will understand that if you want to help these poor bastards, you're going to have to deal with the meth problem. If you really care more about them than coming off as enlightened in your circle of friends, you're going to have to recognize it is a drug problem. If you know about the Zoom meth par- parties, hit me on the text line or send me an invite for one. I'd watch it uh, this afternoon. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Some more business news. I read that due to inflation, Doritos has been putting five fewer chips in each bag. <laughs> and if you notice the change, you've got bigger problems than inflation. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt they're putting fewer chips in the bag, and the bags are getting smaller, and you know, we've talked about that. Shrinkflation, ladies and gentlemen. Shrinkflation. Yep. Hey, somebody texted that we're talking about how old Biden is, and now a majority of Americans don't think Joe Biden's going to run for re-election. Look at his shoes. No heels, because it's a tripping hazard. It's something you do for old people. Is he wearing shoes, sort of dress shoe for old people that doesn't have a heel on it? I've never heard of that before. I don't don't know. That would explain his shuffling gait if he's Uh, wearing uh, slippers, essentially. I had never heard that, but it it sounds, it rings true to me. I'm sure that's a thing, and I could believe that he's there. So Mitt Romney, do you think, is he on the list of people running for president, do you think? I think he's had enough of that. It's not out of the question. I think it's a bit of a long shot, though. In a private speech... Oh, I didn't hit you with the headline today. So, the president of Poland, also the leader of the Czech Republic and one of those other tiny little countries, traveling to Kiev today, like in person. I think it was Slovenia. One of those. Yeah. Uh, go, actually going into Kiev to show support for Zelensky and the Ukrainians. That's a heck of a bold move, getting in and out. It is indeed, and they didn't clear it with Putin or anything like that. They went in in the dark of night, totally unannounced, to, to stand with uh, with Volodymyr Zelensky and express their support and their condemnation over the Ruskies. And President Zelensky is addressing Congress tomorrow, and NBC had reporting that the White House is nervous that Zelensky is going to make some asks that have a lot of political approval among Republicans and Democrats, and that they're going to be in an awkward position saying no. I think that's guaranteed to happen. That's no fly also. zone, heavy weapons, etc. MIGs is going to ask for it all. So Mitt Romney gave a speech to donors. In a private speech, Mitt Romney warns of extraordinary challenge to preserve American democracy. Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, who ran for president against Obama and lost in 2012, offered more than 200 Republican donors a stark message on the fragility of American democracy during private remarks on Monday night at a fundraiser in Northern Virginia. According to five attendees, Romney told the crowd that he has a chart in his Senate office tracing the history of civilization over the past 4,000 years. Hmm. He said it is a reminder of how they can rise and collapse and how unusual American democracy is in global history. From the Mongol Empire to the Roman Empire, Romney said, autocracy is the chart's default setting, with authoritarian leaders at every turn. We are really the only significant experiment in democracy, and preserving liberal democracy is an extraordinary challenge, Romney said, according to the attendees there. Attendees described Romney as delivering their remarks as a warning for the group, which included many longtime members of the Republican establishment. That would be the anti-Trump crowd for the most part. I'm guessing. Um, well, the stuff about autocracies being the default setting is undeniable. Oh, you, I mean, you it's can't argue truism. with that at all. It's 99.8% of the regimes in the history of the earth. Maybe 99.99. Yeah, so what's he arguing for? Or what, what's he trying to accomplish, do you think? Mm, That's why I, I don't ask if you thought he would, would be running by any I'm, I'm guessing what he's trying to say is we need to protect the institutions of democracy, even if it means taking a defeat or, 
you know, seeing our opponents elected or, you know, that sort of thing, that the institutions are more important than the elections or the people. You I'm sorry, a, the results of the elections, not the integrity, but the result. He got a standing ovation at the end of the speech, 200 heavyweight donors. You know, it would be a certainly a different group of people than the people that, you know, are on Trump's side. But uh, he did get the nomination in the Republican Party not that many years ago. Hey, mm-hmm. what's the least woke city in America? I came across this the other day. Like uh, of significant size? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I could picture. Hmm. I can. I can. I could name you some towns in Western Kansas. I guarantee you aren't very woke where I'm from, but uh, of of a, of a big city size. Wow, I'm, I'm scanning wrong. the country. It's Miami. Oh, I would have gotten that wrong. And why is it Miami? Because they've had so many people come in from. Cuba or other South American socialism-run countries who are who have seen what that does to uh, the world, what that does to society, and they, and it's all lies anyway, and they ain't buying it. So Miami is the least woke city in America. Wow, interesting. It is I have interesting. A, I have a Cuban-American friend, and he is a super patriot, and he despises communism like you can't imagine. Right, right. They sell you all that crap about equality, but they don't mean it. You Not see. for a second. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. U.S. and its allies are also continuing to turn up the economic pressure. On Friday, President Biden announced that the U.S. will ban imports of seafood, vodka, and diamonds. That is terrible news for our nation's sugar daddies. Trina, I I, I know your profile said you like cold martinis, shrimp towers, and sparkling tennis bracelets, but uh, how about a a, a Bud Light Lime, a meatball sub, and the scrunchie I found on the bus? (laughs) Where are you going? You said you love me. Boy, that reminds me. I read this story about a guy who was seduced by some chick on Instagram. Who, oh, yeah. yeah, I want to get with you, baby. Well, I saw that. Oi, they lured him to an apartment in New York, and it went very poorly from there. Yeah, well, don't show up to some random chick's place in the middle of the night. Just young, hot girls don't want to sex you up, sir. I'm saying this from one brother to another. I think it's my lack of self-esteem that has kept me out of trouble in my life. There's no way you're interested in me. So something's fishier. Something's up here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, hey, coming up, uh, the uh, certain irresponsible voices in American politics and media have called for the assassination of Vladimir Putin, some even calling for what they characterized as the old stabberoonie. Uh, Stay tuned for the history of America trying to get leaders assassinated almost always goes poorly. On this March 15th. The Caesar option on Putin. Yes. Put on a toga. Get your blade. Next time I go out for a steak, I'm going to say I would like the Caesar option <laughs> for my salad. <laughs> uh, much more serious talk here is uh, I'm pretty fascinated by the whole idea of the march to war and the banging the war drums and all that sort of stuff that is uh, ancient. It's a it's a psychological thing you realize. Are you aware of this? I mean, people get whipped up in 
the idea of going to battle against a foe. And it um, it ought to make sense to us since we've been living this whole tribe mentality thing for the last several years where you just kind of get caught up in what your tribe believes and you're willing to go with whatever your tribe believes, whether it makes sense or not, because it's my tribe. And that's, I think, how the march to war goes sometimes. So I just have really been following this, listening to opinion makers, whether they're in government or columnists or whatever, and, you know, and seeing it move toward we need to do more, we need to do a no-fly zone, that sort of stuff. We're still not there. The smart people in charge seem to uh, still have the day with the, no, we're not going to go to war with Russia. No-fly zone would be an act of war. We're going to avoid this at all costs, blah, 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 blah. But, for instance, I mentioned several times that Wall Street Journal editorial board piece from a week or so ago of stop telling the Russians what we won't do, stop drawing red lines on our side of things we won't do, and now The Atlantic with a similar sort of piece out today. So you got a major publication on the right saying that and a major publication on the left saying that. They go through the history of the last week of the whole Plains and Poland and that all that sort of thing, and they blame it on not Poland uh, getting their messaging wrong, but a lack of coordination between the State Department and the Defense Department in the same way that led to the disastrous exit from Afghanistan. That's what the Atlantic Monthly is saying today. And it goes on with this. But perhaps the most pernicious note here was the hand-wringing over escalation. On the face of it, that is an absurd notion, says the Atlantic. Javelin, wow. Javelins kill Russian soldiers. Stingers kill Russian pilots and soldiers. A MiG-29 is just one more weapon that would kill Russian pilots and soldiers. And having already hinted that the United States would supply more sophisticated surface-to-air weapons in Ukraine, the notion that transferring fighter planes would escalate the conflict is simply preposterous. So they're not, I mean, they're not even just saying, you know, I lean the other direction. No, your view of it is ridiculous, the Atlantic is saying. The American stuff. I'd say the American fear of escalation has been a repeated note throughout this conflict. But to the extent American leaders express that sentiment or spread such notions to receptive reporters, they make matters worse, giving the Russians a psychological edge. That's what the Wall Street Journal was talking about. The Russians can and do threaten to ratchet things up, knowing that the West will respond with increased anxiety rather than reciprocal menace. We have yet to see, for example, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin telling the world what a wretched hand the Russians are playing militarily and how superior ours is, a message he is particularly fit to deliver. I wondered about that the other day. Where is our Secretary of Defense in this whole story? Is he ever going to come forward and say, hey, we got the strongest military on the entire planet by a lot? Just want to remind the world of that. Are we ever going to flex like that? I was listening it, to a podcast yesterday where they were talking about how the NATO has a military budget larger than anything in the planet's history. Actually, America alone does. But, you know, you combine it with all the other countries, there's nothing even close. So do we have to constantly cower in fear of every word that comes out of Putin's mouth and never remind anybody of that? You know, I'm reminded of uh, John Kerry's infamous statement that Vladimir Putin was committing 19th century acts in the 21st century as if uh, he could somehow shame him into uh, not wanting to dirty his his cuffs in such activities. This is a responsible society. And the Bidens hold, the grown-ups are in charge, feel, we're, look at us, we're not escalating, we're not the aggressor, we're, we're gentlemen, we're ladies about this, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Putin's pursuing the mad dog strategy of mad dog runs down the street, everybody runs away. 
away. You know, while Trump certainly had his flaws, how different was, tell little rocket boy, I got a button two on my desk and it's bigger than his. Right. Putting aside the absurdity of the idea that the size of the button is a factor. Um <laughs> It was a very, very different spirit. Don't you play the tough guy with me. We're the toughest guys on the planet. Instead, we're getting the, uh, we won't escalate. We won't do anything to make this worse. We, we want everything to get better. And look, maybe Biden's right. Maybe we bide our time and things come out better than they would have if we've escalated. But it's not clearly a good strategy. And there's such thing as doing the right thing in the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know what the right thing is. I'm not claiming I do, but I do think it's pretty interesting that both the Wall Street Journal and the Atlantic, opposite ends of the political spectrum, are saying the same thing about how weak are we going to come off as through this whole thing. Right. You know, a positive Sean used to say, you know who wins the fight? The first guy to realize he's in a fight. Right. And that is true. And there's a lot of truth to that, yeah. Uh, don't have time to get to the troubled American history of trying to have leaders assassinated. I will tell you this. We'll, we'll pursue it again tomorrow, maybe even this time of day. Uh, old Dwight David Eisenhower, who was a respectable man, and, and it was, you know, he was an amazing human being. He also didn't have any problem with having leaders snuffed, apparently. Of course, those were uh, difficult times, so we'll get into that later. Also... There is a series now of Kamala Harris motivational posters. Oh, no. I was I hope this cracking is, up. I hope this isn't mockery that lacks all respect for the office. <laughs> You'll have to stay tuned to find out, Jack. <laughs> okay, that's next. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. We'll have to get back into it tomorrow. The Atlantic has published the most aggressive, hawkish piece I have read anywhere about taking on Russia. I think. Do you remember who wrote it? Uh, yeah, it's a guy named Elliot Cohen. I think he's with mm. Johns Hopkins. Um, but I'll have to read more from that tomorrow. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to know more about him and his history. I just, I'm, I'm curious where that's the point of view is coming from. But, but the Atlantic chose to publish it. Right. Right. Notable. So uh, much more to say, obviously, about the Russia-Ukraine situation. We'll be on it. Uh, is, uh, you know, and, and I think we're doing a better job than most outlets who just give you an inch deep. So stay with us uh, for that. Uh, a little lighter fare here. This is hilarious. Uh, Kamala Harris motivational posters. Of course, the first one is, and, and the visual is really entertaining, too. We have it posted at armstrongandgetty.com. Of course, the first one it is, is it is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. You put that up in your boardroom, your meeting room, where you gather the troops, you're going to see a difference, I think, right away. <laughs> Jack and I have this one in our office. We have, and this, is, this one's in front of a, a beautiful lake at sunset reflecting the, the dwindling light. We have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been. And then to make the possible actually happen. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. Oh, 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 God. 
This one's so good. Craggy mountain peaks with snow on them. We must together work together to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be. And yes. But also (laughs) see it as a moment to, yes, together address the challenges and to work on the opportunities that are presented by this moment. The yes, galvanizing really, stuff. I really love the yes in that out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but also to see it as a moment to yes, together address the challenges. If there were one or two of these, it'd just be amusing. But let me go on. <laughs> this one's good. It's in front of a meadow or something. What else do we know about this population? Eighteen through twenty-four. They are stupid. <laughs> And uh, then I might agree with her on that one. Yeah, sure enough. Uh, <clears throat> this one in front of pink shapes. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Wow. That's the stuff of John Foster Dulles, if you catch the reference. Well, let's see. That one's kind of obscure. It's time for us to do what we've been doing. Here, here you go. In front of a man reaching for the stars. When folks vote, they order what they want. And in this case, they got what they asked for. I went off script a little bit. <laughs> a man reaching for the stars. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> this, this one's good, too. This is worth uh, including. We all watched. The television coverage just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. (laughs) The beautiful part of her speech patterns is you can get 85% of the way through the sentence and you still have no idea where the sentence is going. Did you say the thing I tweeted out over the weekend? She was standing in the... They're talking next to, I think, the Polish president or the Polish representative. Did you see that? I don't remember. I don't remember. So it was making the rounds on, uh, you know, right-leaning anti-Kamala Harris social media, and I retweeted it, and then somebody said, hey, hey, this is taken out of context. It was edited. Unfair. You're better than that. You know, my favorite criticism, you're better than that. We're not, by the way. Not not, not even close. I'm better than really anything. And I thought, but no, I don't want to engage in that sort of thing. That's uh, that's that's not what we try to do around here. So I went to the original source and watched the whole thing, and it was every bit as bad (laughs) in full context with the whole thing. It was absolutely as bad as it was before. It was just longer. So all right. Wow. She was asking a question about the price of gas going up, and she talked about something else for a very long time, and then word saluted that, and it was just there. She got nothing. She ha- she brings zero to the table. That's why yes. we're here today, because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. There you go. Am I supposed to be inspired or what? I'm not sure. Wow. Um, that's And that's why it makes that poll number so fascinating that a majority of Americans now don't think Biden's running for re-election. In any normal time, the obvious person leading the polls right away would be the vice president, or the the, the assumed you know presumptive front runner. W- without a doubt, would be, the, but not in this case. 
No. Actually, I, I find myself wondering, what are the percentage of Democrats who think she'll even run? Because the the flip side of that question is what percentage of Democrats understand what a mediocre nothing she is and don't want her to run? She left the race before Iowa. She didn't even stay in the race until the first contest among Democrats. Who was that odd motivational speaker lady who outlasted Kamala by months? Marjorie <laughs> right. Williams? or What was Something. her name? Marianne Williams. Marianne Williams. Marianne Williams, Marianne Williams yeah. 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 Wow. So we got the old man and, and, and Ms. Uh, Word Salad. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, even if you thought Trump was a nut or dangerous, and some people did, I mean, he, who could be more steady rolling than Mike Pence? Midwestern governor, well thought of, well respected. You know, Pompeo, steady hand. He's a bit of a tough guy, but better a tough guy than a wuss. I tell you what, if we get through this current leadership without something just awful, awful happening. Of course, Ukraine's uh, saying, what do you mean without something yeah, awful happening? Yeah, we're in the middle of something awful. So Lindsey Graham just There's a freaking war going on. There is a freaking war going on. It's a good point, Senator. Lindsey Graham, Senator South Carolina, just said about the, Mol- the Poland MiG transfer that, that, that got shut down last week. I think the president folded like a cheap suit. I don't know how many people agree with Lindsey Graham on that. The Atlantic uh, certainly does today, and the Wall Street Journal did, and Zelensky's going to talk about that tomorrow in front of Congress. He's guaranteed to get a standing ovation. How many people in the president's own party are going to be pushing him for sending those planes or no-fly zone or whatever? I don't know. I just The politics of this, the, the emotion of it could take over. Doesn't mean it's the right decision, by the way. I'm not sure what the right decision is, but... I just feel like it's continuing to move. Well, would you agree with that? The movement is toward more U.S. involvement. Well, I think that's undeniable. Okay. Yeah, it certainly yeah. seems I'm not that way to me. It's a good idea. It's just a question of the uh, the breeze. Which way is it blowing? Yeah. Oh, haunting. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Gay. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, pressing the buttons, keep us on the air. He's like an octopus in there, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, I'm trying to go to the gym more often, putting my health first, so I'm looking outside and... Looks like it's sprinkling, so I'll probably be staying home today, but... Wow, way to, way to go, Mr. Dedicated. Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. He has a final thought for us. Alex? Uh, hey, try to save some money on gas. I've come up with a couple tips. Just slow down about five miles per hour. It'll you know help you out that way. Find cruise control. And if you don't, ride a bike. Hmm. Uh, Jack, a final thought you'd like to offer up for us? I turn off my car going downhill. Coast all the way to the bottom. Till I'm going really, really slow. Then start her back up again. Drive back up the other side of the hill. It's just smart. A lot of yep. people are going to honk and flip you off. You're going to have to get. You're going to have to, you know, get a thicker skin and toughen up to that. But you'll save gas. Or just go to your local uh, billiards wholesale place and buy a bag full of cue balls and hurl them out your window at the other motorists. Your, it's just one idea. Your local billiards wholesale place. Yes. <laughs> Google it, idiot. 
Uh, my final thought is back in uh, my college days when I was studying international relations and, and the sort of thing we're talking about is uh, the professors would give us these case studies where we would have to strategize on behalf of one country or another and express how uh, we thought it ought to go and what the country ought to do. And, you know, then you get to the end of the class and everybody, uh, particularly early in our education, would say, all right, so what was the right answer? And he, and he said, there isn't one. It's the point. You're always guessing. I mean, you use the best information you can get, but you're always guessing. Yeah, and it's tough. It's tough for the human mind to accept that sometimes you have only bad options. You're choosing among bad options. That's that's hard to accept sometimes. And it was so hard to accept. I ran away from class, got stoned, and made out with my hot girlfriend. Oh. Tragic. Tough times. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. I'm kidding. I would never engage in such tomfoolery, even at a youthful age. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. If you ever miss part of the show, it's available via podcast. Yesterday's One More Thing podcast. Very funny. You ought to listen to it. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Can we uh, get out of here, please? It's over! <laughs> oh, <No>. come on. <laughs> Just no. I said bye. Get the hell out of here! Absolutely. What the hell are you talking about? Well, I haven't said a word, so stop yelling at me. This is a perspective extended that our European allies share. Go away! When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. And that's it! Are you sure of that, dude? Absolutely. So everybody chill. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.